Hello, and welcome to Cavern Cast. Cavern Cast, not Cavern Cast. Cavern Cast. Emphasis is a funny thing. Anyway, hi, welcome to or welcome back to Cavern Cast. I hope you're well. I am currently at a friend's house because I have a last minute gig that he asked me to help out with. So I am here and he has very kindly allowed me to record this podcast while he is out playing golf. I have friends that play golf. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Um, I'm currently staring at a big Lego Apollo. Oh God, I don't know which one it is. I'm very bad at space. He's very good at space. There are a lot of there's a lot of space paraphernalia around his flat. Um but I don't do space very well. It's the it's the big one. The big Apollo. Apollo eight, I'm going to say. I'm gonna try and say it with confidence. But do you know what? You can't see it, so it doesn't matter. The wonder of audio. So I am all recovered from COVID again because it just loves me. Clingy little virus. Uh, um, but yeah, I'm all recovered. I have also been spending a few days at a different friend's house, finally fixing the leaks on my van. I think, I think it's done. I'll only really know when it properly rains, but we were blasting that thing with a hose and trying to recreate a rainy British environment, (laughs) trying to simulate wind and everything, and it it kind of, kind of worked, and uh, no drippage, so fingers crossed. But no, today I am in London, Gonna go play a gig in a few hours. Should be fun. Should be a good time. My friend that I'm staying with actually um, did end up queuing 12 hours to go uh, and see the Queen lying in state. And um, he said, like, despite despite doubting his decision many a time because he didn't know it was going to be 12 hours, the more time went on, the more committed he got. And when he got there, he, he said he was very glad he did it. And it was quite a, a profound moment. So if you're wondering how people feel in that queue, there you go. That is um, that is how they feel. I should have pitched this podcast to anyone waiting in the queue. Oh, you got 12 hours to kill? Listen to Cavancast to keep you company on your journey, your very slow-moving journey in the queue. Except then there'll probably just be a load of people falling asleep in the queue, which isn't great. Yeah, all those people that you saw passing out in the queue, they were just listening to me. (laughs) I was just knocking people out left, right and centre. Speaking of, shall we get on with the words? I think we should get on with the words. If you haven't listened to Cast before, 
How it works is I use a random word generator to generate five random words and then talk about them, talk about whatever comes to mind. And I feel like my mind should be working. I feel like we're all good. So let's crack on. The first word is conquer. And apart from Conquer's Bad Fur Day, which was a very good Nintendo game back in the day, which is actually way more, like, R-rated than I ever remember it being. It's actually quite a, like, a filthy game. In my head, I remembered it as, like, a just any other kid's game, like Crash Bandicoot or Super Mario, but no, Conquer's Bad Fur Day was actually, like, pretty hardcore. <laughs> But apart from Little Conquer, um, the, I, when I hear the word conquer, I think of conquer. Conquers. Um, and they're, they're weird looking things, if you think about it. So conquers are aka horse chestnuts. And you know the whole chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your ass. I don't know if you call them conkers anywhere else. I don't I don't know if that's just a British thing. I don't know. I'm very sheltered. But they look very weird. When they're out of their shell, fine. They're all good. They're just little dudes. They're like pretty smooth round, they just chill, quite nice looking, kind of look like Woody's eyes when they get cleaned in Toy Story 2, they keep the moths away, that's a thing apparently, uh, wait, hang on, someone told me they keep spiders away, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, wait there, Oh, okay, so they do deter moths, because conkers release a chemical called <clears throat> triterpenoid saponin, 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 but the same cannot be confirmed for spiders, that is still a myth. Okay, well hey, if it works for you, then it works. There may not be a chemical to deter the spiders, but they may just not like the vibe. And they may be like, ew, this is, I don't like this aesthetic that you have going on here. These like brown things just in the corner of the room or the drawer. No. Yeah, man, I remember having so many, so many random conkers placed around the house as a kid. Every drawer, every drawer would just have a, a, miscellane, a miscellaneous conquer, just chilling. It's like, you know, in certain video games where collecting certain items is like a, a form of like HP or currency. Like if you were playing as a robot, you'd collect bolts for example, on your journey when you're going about your business, but the places you would find the bolts would be places the bolts would have no place being. You know, like how you collect coins in Mario 
And there's just like, why would there be just be money here hanging around? Um, like in a clothes drawer. Well, money might be in a clothes drawer, but bolts, etc., would not be in a, a clothes drawer or a bathroom cabinet. That was what my house looked like, but with with congas. Anyway, they look weird. Is my point? Like I said, not not when they're out of their shell, but the shells themselves look like alien spores. They're just these random, like, green eggs that grow on trees, and they have spikes on them. Like, okay, extraterrestrial invasion, like, are you even trying to hide? No, you're just hiding there in plain sight. And some of them don't even have proper spikes, like, some of them are real, real prickly, but some of them just have, like, weird tentacly things pointing out of them which makes them look even more like aliens. And then every August or September, I don't know, whenever they fall off, fall, I guess, you just see, you just see open shells on the ground with no conkers near them. Like, so how do we know that they all contained actual conkers and not alien spawn, huh? You don't know. Who's going to be looking at that one tree at like 3.42am? Like, I'm watching you, bitch. I know you have an alien spawn in you. And then all of a sudden, like behind you, you hear just say like... Was it a mouse? Was it a demon? Was it a squirrel stealing a legitimate conquer? You'll never know. You will never know. There's food for thought. Aliens might already be here. <laughs> what a way to kick off a chill podcast. Also, that must have been a hell of a ride for you if you have no idea what conkers look like. A vec or sans shell. That means with or without in French because I am cultured. Well, I'm culture adjacent. <laughs> that seems more fitting for me. Culture and I are more acquaintances than anything else, which is fine. You know, you can't be friends with everyone. You can't share a soda with everyone. That is the next word. Oh, back on the segues. Soda, 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 soda. I was never one of those people who had soda as part of their vernacular. It was always pop to me. A can of pop. Well, mm, I didn't really use either, to be honest. I always just specified. I feel like that was the the English thing to do. I don't want to say British because I don't want to generalize too much, but I think it was the English thing to do to be like, like, like I would never say, oh, can you grab me a soda? Like one, I'm not American, but two... Unless the, the the desired beverage in question was cream soda, which is banging, by the way, because it tastes just like ice cream, I would always just specify what it was upon request. Like, oh, could I grab a can of Coke? Or Fanta? Or Calpol? Because Calpol was the shit. Never said soda. Too vague. 
I need specificity. Specificity? Yeah, specificity in my life. There is no room for ambiguity, okay? I mean, what defines soda? A carbonated beverage? Oh, wait, okay, what, hmm. Okay, in Wikipedia's mind, it's a chemical compound that contains sodium. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, like baking soda. How have I forgotten that this exists? Well, capitalism has done its job. Well done, Coca-Cola. Wait, so where did this name come from, then? Because you have, like, soda water, but then how did we get from soda water to calling all soft drinks soda? Okay, so the term soft drink is a category in the beverage industry and is broadly used in product labelling and on restaurant menus. However, in many countries, such drinks are more commonly referred to by regional names, including pop, cool drink, and fizzy drink. Cool drink? You want a cool drink? Other lesser-used terms include carbonated drink, cold drink, fizzy juice, lolly lolly water, seltzer, coke, soda pop, tonic, and mineral. Amazing. I'm going to start really messing people up and just using lolly water when I just mean a can of Coke. Due to the high sugar content in typical soft drinks, they they may also be called sugary drinks. In the United States, the 2003 Harvard Dialect Survey tracked the usage of the nine most common names. Over half of the survey respondents preferred the term soda, which was dominant in the northeastern United States, California, and the areas surrounding Milwaukee and St. Louis. St. Louis. The term pop, which was preferred by 25% of the respondents, was most popular in the Midwest and Pacific Northwest, while the genericized trademark Coke, used by 12% of the respondents, was the most popular in the southern United States. The term tonic is distinctive to eastern Massachusetts, although usage is declining. Okay, still not really an answer. So these drinks are fizzy because they're carbonated, right? And carbonation is due to dissolved carbon dioxide and liquid being released and turned into gas. I listened in school. But that, as far as I know, has nothing to do with sodium. So let's go deeper in the late 18th century. Okay, not that deep. In the late 18th century, scientists made important progress in replicating naturally carbonated mineral waters. In 1767, Englishman Joseph Priestley first discovered a method of infusing water with carbon dioxide to make carbonated water. Mm -hmm. When he suspended a bowl of distilled water above a vehicle above a beer vat at a local brewery in Leeds, England. Where has, why am I talking like I'm drunk? Just because I mentioned beer. His invention of carbonated water, later known as soda water, okay, for the use of soda powders in its commercial manufacture, is the major and defining component of most soft drinks. 
Now we're getting somewhere. Soda powder is also known as sherbet powder. Okay, see I know of sherbet because of dibdabs, which probably had a few different names, but it was the type of sweet or candy that had, it was like a lolly of some kind, and a packet of sherbet powder that it came with, and you used to dip the lolly into the sherbet after licking it, so the sherbet would stick to it, and then you could subsequently enjoy the delectable treat. Mmm. I want a dip-dab now. So, what is that made from? Sherbet, in the United Kingdom and other Commonwealth countries, is a fizzy powder, containing sugar and flavouring and an edible acid and base, like the well-known music subgenre acid base. The acid may be tartaric, citric or malic acid, and the base may be sodium bicarbonate, sodium carbonate, magnesium carbonate, or a mixture of these and or similar carbonates. Mm-hmm. To mask the unappetizing flavor of the reactive powders, a large amount of sugar is added, as well as icing sugar and fruit or cream soda flavoring. The acid carbonate reaction occurs upon presence of moisture, juice or saliva, becoming fizzy. Okay. I'm learning things. I'm finding stuff out. I feel like I'm... I feel like I'm a detective. Sherbet used to be stirred into various beverages to make effervescing drinks in a similar way to making lemonade from lemonade powders before canned carbonated drinks became ubiquitous. Sherbet. I never knew whether it was sherbet or sherbet. Sherbet. Here it's saying sherbet. Sherbet is now used to mean this powder sold as a sweet. In the United States, it would be somewhat comparable to the powder in Pixie Sticks or Fun Dip. Oh, there you go. We had dip dabs. You had Pixie Sticks and Fun Dip. Though having the fizzy quality of effervescing candy, such as Pop Rocks. Oh, yeah. Pop Rocks. They always freaked me out a little bit. I don't know if I like Pop Rocks and like popping candy. It's a bit weird. Yeah. ASMR is all heck, but... Is weird. And there we go then. Over the past 200 years, this original ingredient that was used as a way of fizzying up drinks has stuck fast in English colloquialism to refer to what we now know as fizzy drinks today. Well, goddamn, how's that for a history lesson? Go impress your friends with that knowledge. The next word of today is giraffe. Right, okay, much like how much like how there is clearly some type of alien invasion going on with conkers, I think a similar thing can be said for giraffes, if I'm being totally honest, or at least they are a mythical species of some some kind. The fact that unicorns, right, some of the most 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 mythically famous creatures in the world are supposed to not exist when they are just horses with horns on their heads. 
Whereas giraffes, who are unlike any animal, except maybe a dinosaur, with a neck the size of the Empire State Building, a tongue that can stretch the length of your nan's back garden, legs that can kick harder than a mule, and a colour scheme that looks like someone put an Instagram filter on a piece of droughted earth and when, yeah, that'll do, do exist, it, it's crazy to me. That is, that's fascinating, that's utterly fascinating to me. It's flabbergasting, really, bewildering. Oh, and how do they fight each other, you ask? They literally swing their necks at each other. Who fights with their neck? Who, what earthly creature fights with its neck? Can you imagine any other animal, including humans, using quite possibly the most vulnerable part of our bodies to fight with? Exactly. Aliens. Aliens with thick necks. Thick with two C's. Three C's, maybe, even. And you know what? Even with all that, I love them. I love them. They're so dorky, dude. <laughs> Even though they might be planning to take over the planet, they're just like, hello. They just stand there, bro, looking all goofy-like. Like, dude, take over the Earth. That's fine. You'll probably do a better job than us by just vibing over there anyway. In fact, do you know what? Just just give, give the planet to the giraffes and the friggin alpacas or something things that just vibe the world would be a better place i swear down this dismantle the monarchy and just bring on the reign of the giraffes also they're one of those animals that just get shit done without messing about like being born <laughs> they're just there and then they're like, okay, that happened. And then they just get up and start vibing, like wasting no time at all. Like we sit there and scroll on TikTok, giraffes get born and then they're just up and just doing shit. Come on. <laughs> they're just better than us. Giraffes are the tallest mammals on earth. Their legs alone are taller than many humans, about six feet. Well, that's not true, because they're aliens, not mammals, so... Got that one wrong, didn't you? A giraffe's neck is too short to reach the ground. As a result, it has to awkwardly spread its front legs or kneel to reach the ground for a drink of water. Ha-ha! <laughs> so there you go, we found the weakness, if we ever need to, to, ev to evade a giraffe attack, merely stand beneath it. Yes, this may leave you open to it kicking you in the head, but at least it won't be knocking you into next week with its neck. Giraffes spend most of their lives standing up. They even sleep and give birth standing up. Man, respect the grind. Well, do should we respect the grind? I don't know if that's really a flex. I don't know if that makes them better than us. I think the government would make us do that if they could. Keep working. You're going to give birth? I don't care. Keep working. Peasant. 
You know what I mean? It, it wouldn't surprise me. But whilst it's not a flex, you, you kind of do have to respect the grind and respect the hustle for giraffes. The giraffe calf, the giraffe calf, the giraffe can stand up and walk after about an hour and within a week it starts to sample vegetation. Why did they write it like that? Why did they write it like that? Sample vegetation. Eat leaves. Don't make it sound like these aliens are cultured. Actually, that does sound like a pretty alien sentence. Like an alien trying to be human goes into a restaurant, like a giraffe restaurant because there's a chain of restaurants called giraffe. I got kicked out of there once. Anyway, <laughs> that's a story for another time. Um, just a giraffe going in there and sitting down and going, Hello, I would like to sample your vegetation. I mean, eat food, please. Yeah, it sounds very alien. After a week, the extraterrestrial species begins to sample the vegetation of its host planet. I see what's going on here. Don't think I don't. I see you. Whilst it was thought that giraffes did not make any sounds, this is now known to be untrue, as giraffes bellow, snort, hiss, and make flute-like sounds, as well as low-pitched noises beyond the range of human hearing. Exactly! To communicate with its alien brethren, without alerting the inhabitants of their host planet. It's all making sense now. The giraffe overlords are coming, and there's nothing we can do to stop it. Like a zombie apocalypse. Oh my god, zombie giraffes. We'd have no chance. We would have no chance at all. <laughs> I'm going to leave it there, because this is supposed to be a chill, relaxing podcast, and getting into the realm of zombie apocalypses real or otherwise, may not bode too well. I mean, well, there's not much to say, to be honest. We wouldn't last long. We would be the vegetation they would sample. Actually, no. If they were zombie giraffes, wouldn't they be sampling each other? Okay, sick. Okay, oh, we're fine then. That can happen. Ah, <sighs> pressure's off. That's good. That's good. Speaking of too much pressure, um, toothbrush is the next word, and you don't put too much pressure on your teeth when you're brushing them. There is your lesson of today. You shouldn't overbrush. Um, thank you, science. <laughs> Not my strongest segue. I went to the dentist for the first time in five years, which is not a good thing to admit that I was busy, you know, with things, and then a tooth of mine literally broke in half, as opposed to a tooth of someone else's, a tooth of mine broke in half, and I was like, you know who I haven't seen in a long time? The dentist. Hey, how's it going? Dentist? Denny? Nice to see you, Denny. Oh yeah, I mentioned that here because I said the appointment I was given a little while ago was at 
2.30. Get it? I found it hilarious. The receptionist didn't. But I still chuckle to myself. And I am secure enough in myself to find the things that I find funny, funny. Because I am a strong, independent, toothless man. If I was a fantastically cute black dragon that could fly, that would be preferable. But, you know, I'll take the the dude that I am for now, I guess. He's alright. He's alright. I am wondering what they did before toothbrushes? Me? Hello, little car horn. Would you like to know what they did before toothbrushes, too? Okay, let's find out. Okay, National Dental Care. The first bristled toothbrush was invented in China during the Tang Dynasty, which was 169 to 907. No, 169. Oh my god, 619 to 907. It didn't make it to Europe until over a thousand years later when travellers to China brought it back during the 17th century. The 17th century. Is this why everyone thinks people in England have bad teeth? (laughs) Hello, I'm English and I've got mangled teeth. I wonder if that's where it came from. Dentists recommend you should keep your toothbrush at least two metres away from the toilet to avoid the spread of airborne bacteria during flushing. Social distance your toothbrushes, people. They had it right the first time. The first nylon bristle bristle toothbrush made with nylon yarn went on sale in 1938. Where's it? Oh, okay, got it. Got it. On the next fact. See, just needed a little patience. All the way back in 3000 BC, the ancient Egyptians made crude toothbrushes from twigs and leaves to clean their teeth. The Greeks, Romans and Indians also used twigs to clean their teeth. They would even fray one end so that it could reach between the teeth more effectively. Where has my any kind of talking ability gone? Until the early 1900s, toothbrush bristles were generally made of Siberian hog hair. Interesting. However, in 1938, the soft-bristled Miracle Tuft toothbrush was invented, and within a decade, Oral-B was mass-producing soft-bristled toothbrushes similar to the ones we use today. Huh. It's all happening in the 1900s. So, this is interesting. The first mass-produced toothbrush was made by William Addis in England. Ironic. But the story of how Addis started mass-producing the toothbrush is an interesting one. While serving a prison sentence, he decided that the teeth-cleaning methods of the time, which involved rubbing a rag covered in soot and salt over the teeth, needed improving. Fair enough, yeah, I can see why uh, why you might see a couple of holes in that. He drilled small holes, oh, interesting, into an animal bone and got some bristles from prison guards, because they just have them lying around, which he tied in tufts and passed through the holes, sealing them with glue. After his release, he started manufacturing his toothbrush creation, which would make him extremely rich. What? 
you suddenly just imagine the toothbrush that no one has thought up before. That's phenomenal. That feels like one of those ideas that comes to you in like a dream or subconsciously. That's crazy to me. Do you want a crazier fact though? And this is a personal anecdote of a fact. So, um, I, I live, I've lived with quite a few people throughout my time and I'm a fairly decent housemate. Um, but sometimes you just really don't get on with people. You can't get on with everyone, no matter how much you try to. Um, I live with this guy, this fella who was just a little bit odd to the point of, of discomfort. And he just, there was something in his eyes that just made him feel not okay. The vibe wasn't good. He would be up at all hours doing random things and making random noises. I mean, I do that, but like, at least I have a good vibe about it. I, I try not to give off the impression if I'm being nocturnal that I'm like hiding bodies. You know what I mean? I try, and, I try and be all right with it. And um, but he, but he wasn't. And um, yeah, we got into a few arguments, and then so he moved out. He, he like he wasn't paying rent, and the landlord kind of kicked him out, and he refused to go for ages, and he had so much stuff like just lying in loads of right random nooks and crannies of this house, and he took a load of it away. And upon leaving, this dude was like forty or something like that, basically old enough to not draw a penis on the window when he left but he did it anyway uh, and you know what fair enough if you want to leave your mark you do fair enough what I also think he did I can't prove this um, but in my heart I know it to be true on the day of his departure after he left he just he didn't say goodbye to anyone he just left and we didn't leave on great terms. Like I kind of wanted to sort of make amends and let bygones be bygones, but he just left. I went into the bathroom and my toothbrush had wrapped around the bristles some kind of hair. It didn't look like hair from head, from a head. It looked like hair from a nether region wrapped around my toothbrush bristles. I was agog, I was aghast. I'm glad I noticed, I'm glad I was having an observant day, because that could have gone very, very wrong. It wasn't my hair, it didn't look my, like my hair, unless one of my other housemates was like, s secretly hating me and sabotaging me, and sabotaging, or framing him in some way. I think that was his parting gift to me. And uh, I'll never know, but I believe it to be true. And I never saw him again. I hope I never do. Otherwise, me and his toothbrush are going to be having words. <laughs> Bet you weren't expecting that story. Okay, let's move on to the last word. Which is passenger. Very good band. Only miss the light when it's burning low. Only miss the sun when it starts to snow. Only know you love her when you let her go. 
I find it weird being a passenger now. I got I, I was I was thinking about this last night actually because I got driven up to London because I couldn't use the van because despite fixing the leaks the brakes are a bit dodgy. So um, my friend gave me a lift uh, into London, which was weird because like he I didn't think I was going to be able to come and make this gig, but then he was like, "Oh, I'm driving into London to work at London Fashion Week." Really last minute, and I was like, "Oh, can I come with you to London?" He was like, "Yeah." So that's that was a happy serendipitous experience, but yeah, as he was driving, one I find it weird being in a car now. I feel like I'm in a go kart because I'm so used to being in a van. But um, but yeah, I find it weird being driven somewhere, especially to London, uh, like along a motorway that I've only driven. I haven't been driven up since I was like thirteen. It was very odd. So I find it very weird being a passenger because once I got my driver's license. I would just be the driver. I liked that sense of control. I liked being able to leave, like in, in, in the sense that if I was somewhere and like anxiety kicked in or I felt trapped and I just, I, 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 I could just, I could just be like, okay, I'm going. Whether it was two in the afternoon or two in the morning, I could just be like, okay, bye. And then leave without having to put any trust in anyone else like I wouldn't have to rely on anyone else some might say that's an unhealthy trait but not me I would say it's a very unhealthy trait no it's not that bad but after a while it did sort of start getting in the way I mean now I've upgraded and I literally drive my home around with me but I've learned to be more okay with being a passenger and relinquishing some of that control. It was mostly a knock-on effect from addressing other areas in my life where I felt like I needed to be in control. Not with people, like I didn't feel like I had to control people, just situations. And getting to the point where you can... Passage? Passage? Is a word? In life... Um, and certain events without freaking out that something is going to go wrong. Is passenger word? I don't feel like it is. Where would it come from? Pass, passiveness, passiveness? Yeah, sure, let's go with that. But thinking about it, actually, yeah, this is a good point. I'm going to get into analogy territory here. I know I rarely do that. But uh, buckle up. Oh, look at that, already started. Okay, if you're a driver, you may have control over literally where the car or vehicle is going. But when you are driving, so much of your focus is taken up by the driving because it requires most of the focus. What what an eloquent way of (laughs) saying that sentence. So much of your focus is taken up by driving because it requires most of the focus. The orange was orange because it was orange. You know what I mean. However, the passenger is the one that controls the music, the vibes, the snacks, the distribution of said snacks, all the things that are essential to the quality of the journey. 
not the getting from A to B, but the quality of getting A from A to B, the experience of the way. So being in control may allow you to get where you're going, but without help and delegating some control and responsibility to others, you may find yourself worse off when you arrive than when you left, if that makes sense. I feel like that one makes sense because basically you can't do everything yourself. So stop thinking you can. That's what I'm saying to me and to you because you're kidding yourself. Well, you might be able to do it all yourself. And I I imagine some of you listening to this are very used to doing a lot of stuff yourself, but you can't always do it well. And you can't always do certain things to the best of your ability without help. So what I'm saying is allow yourself to passage every now and then or carpool or ride shotgun, whichever thing you want to use, whichever phrase. And it will definitely feel weird and be difficult and feel uncomfortable at first. But if you trust it, it will help take so much of that weight off your shoulders. Try it small, then try it medium, then try it big. And there is your moral message of today, which means I shall now bring this episode to a close. And hope I don't have an existential crisis the next time I drive my van. <laughs> um, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. I hope you are feeling a bit more chill than when we first started. If you would like to support me being able to help you and a load of other people chill and relax and get some sleep or do whatever they need to do, you can do that by becoming a patron of mine on Patreon, where you can help support this podcast and help me keep it going for a very small fee every month and if you do that you get access to a load of bonus episodes and bonus content if you want it if you go to patreon.com forward slash cavern you can do that there i'm going to be trying my best to keep this podcast going as long as i can but with your help it is made so much easier so the option is there if you would like to support me in that way i'd be very grateful thank you very much and with that i will leave you I would love you to take care of yourself and to be kind to yourself and give yourself those little reminders throughout the day and I'm going to try and do the same, okay? I will speak to you soon, okay? Bye.